Out of the gates and ready to go. The Friday edition. Hot Mike with Huddy Withrow here at Outkick.com. Glad you're with us. Uh, Chad, the weekend has arrived and it's time to get ready for a big sports weekend. Plus, uh, well, news at the combine. We are no longer leaplings. We are removed from leap day yes. and leap year. And now we are officially, we have marched into March. March and Madness. marched into the weekend. Not just our unofficial start to the weekend, which is Thursday on this show. Now we are officially moving into the weekend on this Friday. And I'm pumped. The march to the madness. We've got oh, Kelly Stewart who will yes. join us. Some big matchups this weekend. We'll get uh, Kelly in Vegas. Her best bets for the weekend compare what we should do versus what we probably will do. Kelly wins. Sometimes I don't I follow think I'm the just advice. gonna I'm just gonna tell Kelly this time. Whatever she says, that's what I'm gonna bet this week. No questions asked. I'm going to follow her advice and win some money this weekend. We will follow Filipowski on the court. We'll do that in just a moment. That following what Caleb Williams uh, said today at the podium, he took center stage at the NFL Combine with the media, and I thought by all measure, just watching the, the press, I thought he handled himself very professionally. Um, he acted like a quarterback of an NFL team, quite frankly, and answered the questions directly about, well, uh, why aren't you doing the medicals here at the Combine? He's believed to be the first player to bypass this. Teams, teams send all of their medical staff up to the Combine. It's really what the Combine's for now, that and the interviews. To poke and prod, it's the, it's the cattle prod, to figure out what issues may be there. Some serious issues have been found, uh, thank God, for some of these players. Um, others are really nitpicky about past issues and injuries. Caleb Williams is in a spot where he's going to go number one or a team's going to trade up to Chicago and take him number one. And he knows that there's a select group of teams that he's likely to play for, and he's just going to do the medical evaluation while he's on that visit instead of letting all 32 teams take this mass evaluation and go through all the rigorous issues and, uh, and problems that could come from this. Individual teams could then hypothetically leak out things that you don't want there. So he'll do it at the, at the visit. Again, that's all... Uh, what he's able to do that other players can't do because Williams knows he's going number one. Here's also what he said uh, about the medical and, and specifically what he told teams, including Chicago. Yeah. So for the medical stuff, I'll be doing the medical stuff, just not here in Indy. I'll be doing it at the team interviews. Um, you know, not 32 teams can draft me. Um, there's only one of me. Um, and so uh, the teams that I go to for my visit, um, you know, those teams will have the, the medical and, and that'd be it. He's met and interviewed uh, with uh, several uh, teams already, including Washington, where I, I think personally he wants to be. Here's his answer whenever he was asked about, well, where do you want to play? And knowing that the Bears have the number one pick. Here, where do you want to be? Um, whoever, whoever picks first. Um, you know, it's been the dream of mine to go first. And so whoever picks first, um, can't wait. Can't wait. I think Washington will try to make a move to do that. I think to do it, he's going to have to be, well, it's going to have to be Carl Williams that steps in and says, I want my son to play here, much like Archie Manning did. But it's not going to be the professional manner that we saw from Caleb Williams today. And that's the difference. I, I thought he, again, he handled himself. He was asked about playing for money. He, he answered the questions like you would expect a player to do, where he says, I'm not, I'm not playing for jewels. I'm playing for wins. Um, he's not throwing at the combine. Many quarterbacks don't do that anymore. He said, look, uh, I've got 30-some-odd games on tape, uh, live games, 
you can see me throwing the football there. I don't have to do it here in Indy. And by and large, players the top of the draft aren't doing it either. Chad, I, I thought from the perspective of what we discussed yesterday and earlier this week and uh, weeks ago about the father-son combo and the team around Caleb Williams that has produced a Heisman Trophy on the field and off the field produced millions in NIL, he's about to make more. And I saw a guy that can handle the spotlight, and that's a great thing. Now, can he handle the pressure of not just being number one, but the pressure of whatever is going to happen off the field with the chatter from his dad? I think he's always been capable uh, of being professional and carrying himself in a professional manner when the cameras are rolling. I don't know that he's always done that the best throughout his time at, at USC, but, but I've never seen him as someone who's incapable of it, right? I think that's part of the maddening issues around Caleb Williams with me is everyone sees the physical talent. Everyone sees his ability as a quarterback, and he's right. Just pop on the film and watch the 30 games he played in college, and you can see him play quarterback. I, I completely get all of that. But also there's this other side that I, I don't love, uh, painting F and the opponent on his nails right, right. before a game. Yep. Um, you know, ducking out of media availability after losses, um, crying in the stands with his mom after a loss. Just these little bitty things that when you look at them individually, not a big deal if it's a one-time thing, but you add all of them up, and then you add that to the factor of a thousand with his dad. Right. And the fact that he is a stage dad gone crazy, starting when Caleb was 12, 13 years old. He's trying to get the collective bargaining agreement removed for his son to get more money as a rookie. Uh, he wants partial ownership in a team. Maybe, maybe not. But there are multiple reports saying that's absolutely what he's talked about with teams and with prospective agents. His dad, yeah. And I just put all of it together, and I think, hey, good good performance, talking with the media at the Combine, that's nice. I've seen a lot of nice with Caleb Williams, certainly as a player. I've seen some good with him at a podium or in a uh, media setting, being a professional. But I see a lot on the other side that makes me hesitate to where I, I would not draft the guy. But he's going to go number one. I, I, I believe that. When all said and done, I, I just wouldn't do it. Well, I, I think it, it's also important from this angle. It, the eight, it, at the combine, they have 18 minutes per player, and then you hear the, the horn sounds and you rotate, right, for, for each team to do these interviews. Uh, he doesn't need to come across uh, as uh, this being a business transaction in those 18 minutes, but I don't think he will. I think he'll come across the way he did today at the podium and has done whenever he met, for instance, with the Washington Commanders. He's already done that. And whenever he's asked about the Commanders specifically, which is his hometown, the D.C. native says, it'd be really cool to go back there and experience that. The meeting with the Commanders went really well. Everybody was in the room. So being around everybody, I got a taste of how they are, who they are, because everything is new there. Uh, it will be the same way for teams in front of Williams, who will get a version of the player and the person for 18 minutes. But then come the visits. And he's being very selective with who he's going to visit with in person after the combine. And there you get the sense of, okay, how does it go with Chicago versus how it goes with Washington? And the Bears are sitting there at number one, and Orlovsky's saying, oh, they should go Jaden Daniels, not Caleb Williams. Now we have the new cycle of Jaden Daniels coming around. Instead of... I don't hate that, by the way. 
instead of Drake May. Uh, if we're going to start to prop someone up going into the draft, I, I think Jaden Daniels is a good one to prop up. Drake May is going on the other side. I feel like his draft stock, which we always laugh at, really just the media cycle right now, has him trending down. Jaden Daniels trending up. I, I'm good with that. Here's what I also predict. I think Caleb Williams will blow a team away. I think that he is going to go into the visit and it is going to be exactly what you want to hear from a prospective quarterback is what he's going to give them. He's going to be great on the chalkboard. He's going to be great in meeting settings. He's going to tell the GM and the head coach everything that they want to hear. And I still think it's going to be a mistake to draft him. But I do believe he's going to pull that part of it off just like he did today with the media availability. I think he's going to do a very good job on at least one of these visits and convince someone to either draft him number one, being the Bears, or trade up to draft him number one. Could be Washington, could be someone and else. And I think the teams will fall in love with him because you're getting him individually. Now, what I don't know, and I'm speaking way before these visits happen, is who's with him because he's got a team around him. But he's, he's going to have the individual teams do the medicals individually instead of every team getting that. And there was a little bit of buzz around that saying, oh, well, and I, I initially thought, well, here comes more craziness where he's there to just chat with a couple teams, do the media session, and peace out. But he's doing more than that. And he does have to, it was funny, he does have to weigh in and be measured. That's just a, a automatic when you show up. And he was just like, I, honestly, I've never even really done this. He's like, I know I'm a certain size. Uh, he's like, I'm around Aaron Rodgers' height. And I weigh 210 or 215. It's like, I don't really know. 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, it's just so funny. Hand size and all that stuff this time of year, Chad. I, no one cares about that when it comes time to the draft. No, I, and I do not understand why everyone is so reluctant to just throw at the combine. I, I know that there's a downside to it. and You don't have your normal receivers at all times. And it's a, but I'm just thinking, and this is all agent recommendation. So I understand what's going on here. But I'm also thinking if Caleb Williams, which he's right to say, just turn on the film if you want to watch me throw and I've got 30 games. of. But I'm also thinking, but it's what you do. So what is the fear of just going out there and letting it rip uh, at the combine? Do you think you're going to cost yourself the, the draft position because you miss a couple guys you never throw to because you overthrow them in that setting? I just don't well, understand the big risk yeah, involved. Well, either. well, I think it's a lot of it's timing. You have, you have your guys you're throwing to at the at the – pro day so you know how they're going to break off a route the rhythm of every again it's the three-step drop and the rhythm of that or the rollout on the boot some of it you're just familiar with and the setting itself um but, but isn't that easily explained away like because if i'm well, watching not, not someone if you're there, looking for a reason not if you're looking for a reason to go with the other guy i think everyone is always looking for a reason especially when it's someone like caleb williams to draft him i just i don't think this would ever be the deciding factor i, I guess is what i'm saying because if he goes to his pro day at USC and throws, he's going to be a lot better because he's going to have his guys and have the yes, time he done and everything yes. else. So Emile is just going to be, man, he looks so much better at his pro day than he did at the combine. Oh, it's because he has the timing down with his receivers. And really, his, the, the ball off of his hand looked great at the combine too because the dude knows how to sling it. I, I just, If you can sling it, I don't understand the big risk. They're going to be able to see that. The They're going to be able to see how your mechanics – how you throw the football, if you overthrow a guy who's not fast enough to catch it because you're used to someone fast or you underthrow it for whatever reason, they're just watching the way the ball comes off your hand more than anything else. Again, I, they don't, I, maybe I'm too dumb for all this, but I don't understand how this is some huge risk 
to go out there and just sling it at the combine. I, I don't know if you could improve anything, though, for you. And, and Caleb Williams knows that. He's not even doing the medical for all the teams, right? Well, you can just go there and get it done in a day and a half. What's funny is that now see that that part I understand actually because the, I think that the there's too many leaks. Yes, that's what I think. So that, he didn't say that, but that was exactly what I said earlier. Exactly, I, that's, he doesn't want this out. Even there. Even if you do it and nothing's true, it opens up the possibility of someone saying, "Oh, you know, th- this is what happened with his medical, or they don't like this." Because they're trying to get him later in the draft like, or whatever the, yes. the motivation like, is. Jeffrey Simmons, for instance, with the ACL, you knew that, but how serious was it? What was the history of the knee? What what does uh, what what status will he be? When could he return? He fell in the draft, and there were still teams that just took him off the board because of the injury, you yeah. know, or injuries that you don't know about. Uh, Caleb Farley comes to mind with that. Yeah, Chad. The funny thing about working at the combat, the, the punter from Iowa, who's rated like 137th overall. Dude's a weapon. He is the there only was, weapon for Iowa. There was discussion about whether or not he should even kick or punt at the combat. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Like, it just by like it doesn't even, no good. You've seen the you've seen the games. I, if <laughs> a punter work too. now quarterback one thing one position way, way more important. Logan Lee. If a punter, I don't care how good he was in college. If a punter refused to punt at the combine, I would take him off my board just on general principle. I'm thinking, buddy, you're not going to get that many opportunities <laughs> to punt in the NFL. We like you. We we love your film. We love your hang time. We love how quickly you get the kickoff. All those things that we're looking for with our special teams coach. But if you are unwilling to punt he, at the combine, we are taking did. that little magnet off the board and we are refusing to draft you. Thank God he did, so he remains on everyone's draft But that draft was a headline. Board. Logan Lee but will if participate. GM, if I'm the GM, I am taking that punter off my draft board. I don't care how. I don't care if he's the punt god, like <laughs> Matt, Matt Ariza. I am removing you from my draft board at that but, point. Yeah, he... Uh... The headline, Logan Lee will participate in today's combine. But how petty I am with some of these things. I'd, I'd have like two first round grades, I think, based on just little things that would bother me yeah, about yeah, prospects. Yeah. And I'd remove half of the draftable group off, off my board for little things like this so over you, and you over you would over remove again. the position off your board by doing that? I would have right? someone, the only I would draft someone in the second round that everyone else had a sixth round grade on <laughs> just because that player happens to fit every single one of my criteria for what I'm looking for. Chad, would you draft Filipowski? Uh, right now in the mock drafts, he's like 10th or 11th uh, for the NBA draft. And, well, he, I didn't even know if he was going to be able to, uh, to participate next season for a rookie season in the NBA based on the injury that occurred, quote-unquote injury, knee injury, ankle, unknown. Um, he did not favor his knee in last night's game against Louisville. Uh, 29 minutes and a blowout win. But 29 minutes is around the same amount of time that he normally would play. Yep. Averages a little over 30 minutes. Had nine points, six assists, 10 rebounds. And apparently he's, his status is in question for their matchup against Virginia, which comes up uh, tomorrow on yeah, Saturday. It's, it's not in question. No, it's, it's not. It's not in question it's at all. Not. It's as much in question as that they claimed it was after that just brutal hit he took coming off the floor uh, against Wake Forest. And, and I, I said it right here on this show. I, I thought he was faking. I thought he was being very overdramatic about the hit that he took walking off the court. I understand John Shire getting upset, the trainer, everyone else trying to get him off the floor uh, with no harm done to him. But he, here's what I would like to have happen. Filipowski is going to play in the next game. He's probably going to play well, just like he did against Louisville. He, he's fine. We have to destigmatize calling out people who fake injuries. 
This has long been an adage in sports that I, I want to start to normalize the trend going the other way. The old adage, Hutton, is, and you know this, uh, don't question how hurt someone is. You can never, ever possibly question an injury. If a player says they're hurt, they're hurt. You have to trust them no matter what. But J.C. Treader, the NFLPA president, says in an interview that he would encourage running backs to fake injuries to help themselves. Oh, wow. NFLPA president says that means it must have happened at some point. We've heard and know of plenty of NFL players that have been accused of people in the front office or even teammates of milking certain injury situations to their benefit. This is something that happens. This is a truth in sports. And when I watch Kyle Filipowski and even America's sweetheart, Caitlin Clark, who I love and I am willing to say is a great player, unlike Jay Williams of ESPN. She is great. Also, the flop she took at Ohio State was pretty great, pretty Oscar-worthy, Caitlin, because you didn't get hit that bad. You were frustrated because you lost, and you were running off the floor, and someone barely made contact with you. I'm not even sure they did. And you went flying to the ground like you had both legs amputated at the same time. You, you faked it. That was a fake injury. Kyle Filipowski, you faked it. You were milking it. You were pissed off that you just lost to Wake Forest. You're pissed off that these frat boys are running onto the court. You reach out your elbow at one point to hit one of them and miss. Another guy maybe glances you from behind, and you go spinning to the ground like you're dead. We all saw it. I'm willing to say it, even if no one else is. You faked it. You faked the injury. Let's destigmatize people who are opinionists calling out athletes for faking injuries. It's something that has happened. It's something that's happening right now. It is something that will happen again. And I will be the first to raise my hand and say, I am guilty of this same thing. And I think anyone out there with siblings can probably attest the same. There are plenty of times in my life with four older brothers and sisters that I absolutely faked injuries playing sports with them. When they did something to me that I thought was uh, foul, I would fake an injury to get sympathy, to make them feel bad about hitting me in some way, to get my parents to do something for me. Everybody fakes. Everybody's faked an injury from time to time. So it's okay to call out the obvious. Kyle Filipowski obviously faked it. Caitlin Clark obviously faked it. J.C. Treader, president of the NFL Players Association, obviously encouraged running backs to fake injuries. It happens. That's my point. It happens. It's tough to assume someone's faking it in real time. There's, different, there's a difference between taking a flop and flopping on a foul. Yeah, trying to get a call. Or, or whatever Caitlin Clark did where, you know, post-game, it's not like she was uh, Filipowski with a knee, then it was an ankle, and then John Shire is still saying that he's not himself in practice and doesn't know if he's going to play, and then he plays the same amount of time and doesn't favor his knee. Or was it his ankle? It, it wasn't. Um, point being, in real time, especially, I think, Chad, in, the, in football, uh, not, not as much in basketball, but you, you have the medical staff there, and if you just assume, if we get to that point, then, then I think you really have some issues with how the response would be. Um, fans boo all the time, assuming in certain moments of the game that someone's faking the injury to get extra time, or get a breather, teams out of timeouts, yeah, whatever. Those are pretty easy to spot. And that happens a lot. And upon that replay, still happens a lot. You know, the quickness of replay, you can spot those people exaggerating something to get a call yes. or to stop the clock you know, or to get their defense a break in a football game. Those are easy to spot. But, I'm taking it a step further and saying I think people in frustration, like Filipowski and Caitlin Clark, 
can exaggerate well, what has happened to them, and it's almost well, like a natural human response to that frustration. Hey, here's what pisses me off about it, though. Filipowski is, you know, it, it looks like the season's over, and now the outrage is, oh, we need to end court storming. Right. One of the best scenes in sports when one, one player for Duke, the brand, goes down, and it looks serious, but apparently it's not. I mean, he's playing and playing the allotted time. Um, one player does this, and all of a sudden, it's this is awful. This got to end. But we knew something bad was going to happen, and it happened. And then it doesn't happen. And now it's all quiet. There's no more outrage about this must end. It must end immediately. There needs to be more punishment. J.J. Billis is saying, arrest them. And we forget how often, like literally every time, by and large, no one's out there to do any harm to anyone. They're out there to celebrate the moment in what will ultimately be, in many cases, the best sporting moment of their lives. When they retell something from their college years, when you have waded through uh, a, a litany of bad losses or blowouts or embarrassment to your rival, and you're ending a 15, 20, 25-year losing streak, and you do it on your home floor or home field, and you're celebrating. You're not out there to do anything or any harm to the average opponent. You're, you're out there to celebrate with your fellow fan, your fellow friend, family member, whatever. And they want that taken away because of Filipowski banging knees with one guy who's running by and then getting forearm shoved by another individual. The, punish the individual. Use the individual as, as leverage for future punishment. Make an example of them. But to make an example of the, the fun and what college football and college basketball is that the NBA and that the NFL isn't, give me a break. Like, there, there should be... We went from not having any fine in the ACC to ban this. There's a huge jump there, and it's over someone faking an injury. Yeah. And it's over John Shire at the, at telling the media this week on Monday, he's just not himself. He's still not himself. We'll evaluate him. We'll see where he is on Wednesday. Come on, man. ACC still hasn't ruled on it. Just they, they not himself. That's what happened. Yet. Just not himself. Yeah, okay. But, it, it, I mean, that, there, there's the reaction. It's like we, in, instead of normalizing dudes faking injuries, it's jumped to – we have to take up for what could happen when it hasn't happened. We've seen everyone references the two incidents, Caitlin Clark and now this, and in both cases, their players are fine. Yeah, they're fine. Now I understand. Now if they're out for a long period of time, it's a different conversation I, we're having. Hey, but but but, but they're not. But it's not a different conversation. The individual that would hurt that opponent or hurt that player should they they, they would suffer the consequences. Yeah, but. Chad. It, oh, I'm saying I think the discourse is louder if the to, if Caitlin Clark's out for the rest of the year. Sure, because yeah, of that. no doubt. And, and again, whatever would cause that, um, the 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 mass of humanity that's on the field didn't do that. The individual chose to do that. Yeah, you know, and in, in, in the case of what we're talking about with uh, with Duke and uh, Virginia Tech, I mean, there was a forearm after the collision with the the legs of the other fan. That's what I'm saying. It's like. There's a decision made there, just like there was a decision made with, um, uh, you know, Alabama and Tennessee coming off the field. Like, so th th there's the, to me, that, that's, the, that's the leap that I just don't understand. It's not the, you know, J.C. Treader, the president of the NFLPA, or was, um, what he said was, I can't, he was on the podcast with, who was he with? Um, 
forgive me for this, but Ross Tucker, Ross Tucker's podcast. This was last year. And about the running backs not getting you know, paid anywhere close to the other skill positions, he said, I, I can't recommend faking injuries, at least publicly. And it, to use as leverage in contract negotiations or uh, if you're in camp and you want to get ready for the season, they need you for week one, that sort of thing. That, that absolutely should produce outrage from the fans because he's encouraging that. Uh, but the flopping and, and milking of something that isn't there, that should also be treated. Yeah. I don't know if you treat it the same way, but it, it's exaggeration in the moment instead of pre-planning something or continuing to, to milk what is a storyline that isn't really a storyline. It, it's, look, it's, it's easy when you have the film that backs it up, like we do with, with Filipowski and Caitlin Clark, to say, oh, they're, they're look, faking it, exaggerating it, whatever you want to call it. That's what they did. They're yeah, exaggerating I mean, Chad, the injury. They're, they're faking you it. You mentioned uh, and they're fine. playing against siblings or whatever. At, someone, at, at some point, you've, you've hit your elbow with funny bone or you've banged knees, collided with someone, and you go numb for a second. Like, that to me is what it looked like. Maybe. And it, it, feels, like, it feels weird. Yeah, uh, m- and, and maybe. It, but but, it, you're, but at 10 minutes later, you're fine. Yeah, regardless, I, I don't think he was hurt at all. But I've watched it over and over again. I don't even really see a big knee bang at any point. But well, he, regardless he of it, he played, he exaggerated it. Okay, all this yes. talk about, you know, he sprained his ankle, and then, oh, no, he hurt his knee, and then, oh, we haven't evaluated it, but now he's going to play. They, they exaggerated it. And we, there are times, and this is what you always hear, there are times where you can clearly watch something and say, I don't think this guy's as hurt as he's letting on. And it certainly does benefit this player to sit out the rest of the season or to sit out this stretch of games or, or whatever it may be. But anyone in our position that has a microphone in front of them is always so afraid to just call it out or even speculate that that might be what's going on. The movie Major League Two, they speculated that Willie Mays Hayes was, in fact, that his limp was the best acting he'd ever done after he did the movie that offseason. Charlie Sheen said it. This is not something that has not gone on before. It's something that, that happens. So call it out. I, I'm ready to destigmatize that, especially when we can see it with our own two eyes. Yes. And, and you know, Filipowski postgame said it uh, wasn't anything too bad. Um, about his performance and playing. Um, not wasn't anything too bad. It, it was asked about quick recovery. Coming off a real hard loss, we had to make ourselves known again. I mean, that, that final sentence is exactly the way you react. Uh, like m- minutes after you collide with a fan and you're fine. Yeah, and I think Caitlin Clark handled it really well right after. She basically said no big deal after she got up off the ground. She exaggerated. She was flopping when she, yeah. when she took the fall. But then right after, I think she realized, yeah, I'm fine. Well, and, and again, and then in, it was not the, a big deal. This I, went on a little too long, and I think John Shire and Duke they were milking it to try to get something from the ACC in a ruling about a fine uh, or something. I mean, you have for storming the court. You have John Curry, the AD of what, Wake Forest, released his statement, big and apology, chatting, chatting about yes, and, and all that's fine, but to me, it's the it's just the recourse of okay, where do we go from here? And it was more it was more media driven on the opposite end of it. Than it was, the ACC didn't jump to conclusions Mm-mm. immediately. They haven't done anything. And you had, uh, you know, you've got Jay Billis saying, I'm not saying arrest college kids. Well, I mean, you know, you want to make an example of people, you can't go arrest 10,000 or however many people are on the court. Chad? I don't think the Winston Salem jail could handle that if they, oh. if they arrest everyone on the court. And if you do something stupid, do it. And I do, I've said this week and in the past, I do have sympathy in many cases for 
the there are only how many brands could we top college brands where you're going to storm the field or the court well, if you beat and there's them. only yeah there's only one group that really hates it and it's the team that has to get off the court yes or the field absolutely i understand and, it from their perspective they would hate it but everyone else likes it and they face it a everyone lot everyone else and i i'm i'm surprised that we don't see the other end of it right where you have more incidents like burton with bama which we don't condone i'm just saying i'm surprised we don't see more of that from the trash talk that goes on during a game and then the fan or interacting with the player face-to-face -face going off the field yeah, in a heated I, moment. Again, John, again. I, I thought what John Shire said was fine. I totally understand his perspective, um, and I think he delivered his message well. But the, the team that's getting stormed upon is the only one that hates it. Well, Shire I think on Monday, everyone else saying likes he's, it. he's not himself, and two days later he's playing. He's, I mean, come on. It's, he's fine. Um, I, I'm excited about the 12-team playoff. Because we're going to see more teams in, right? The 14 playoff, what we're ending. Speaking of brands, if you start naming teams that are in it every year, it's not that long of a list. No. And Chad, you hit on it yesterday, but the, the reports of the, the 14 team, possibly expanding to 14, the automatic bids, uh, ACC pushing for two bids. They can't even get one in in the four team. What it's doing is just making what would be a really great thing with more brands, more of the same. It's going to create the top teams and the top conferences sending basically the same teams every year. You're, you're like, you'd get Georgia, Alabama, it, yeah. and you'd get another LSU or a Tennessee. You'd get the third team, but you would have the same top brands in the college football playoff with a buy. Uh, there would be in this proposal, one of the proposals, the only, only the Big Ten and the SEC champion would get the, receive a bye in the opening round. They're automatically pushed to the next level. Um, and I, I mean, hearing this, it, I'm, aren't, I am surprised that the other conferences aren't bitching and moaning about this right now. There's no vocal outrage publicly. Everything's behind the scenes if there is anything, but they're already voting through the 12-team playoff after opposing it uh, literally six or seven months prior to said vote. And it's because they have to have this to survive. They have to have the, the payouts from the playoff in order to have the money necessary to continue doing what they're doing and be a part of the show. And that's unfortunate because being a part of the show means, yeah, you're going to get a cut of the playoff, but it's still the SEC and the Big Ten that are the show in the 12-team, 14-team, soon-to-be 16-team playoff. It goes from the same six to seven schools that rotate in the top four in the playoff to now the same 13, 14, 15 that you're going to see kind of rotate through yeah. that playoff. And now it's going to be, what, 18, 19, 20 if you eventually get to 16 teams. It's still going to be the same programs, likely. Like two new playing ones Playing at the top it, level. Yeah, there's yeah. always going to be someone else yeah, new coming in, which is going to be good for it. I just don't see any of this as what's good for college football uh, as a whole. And, and not just college football, college sports. Because th this is the elevation of what we're seeing. The cost of that is going to be so many scholarship football players. Where, where this thing ends is the loss of football at a ton of programs. I, I really believe that. Because if this is all about what can make the most money and who makes money and who doesn't, we're eventually going to cycle into this, this whole deal where Title IX might be different at some point. Olympic sports at schools are going to be cut. Football programs at different levels of college football are going to be cut mm -hmm. simply because there's not enough uh, oxygen 
for everyone to breathe in the world of money and football. And those that can be in the room, those 40 to 50, they're going to be fine. They're going to be breathing oxygen like they're in a, a Vegas casino where the oxygen's being pumped in. They're going to have no problem getting all that money and keeping their football program and the players making more money and all of that. But the mid-level, the low levels of college football, I think it goes away. And the cynic is going to say, well, who cares? I'm not watching the lower level of college football. Anyway, I don't care if the, the last place team in the MAC doesn't do anything. I would simply offer the question of, okay, it's fine. You don't care about it. You don't want to watch it. But what about those players that could be getting scholarships to go to those schools that could be changing their lives because now they're going to get a a degree where they wouldn't otherwise. I'm for more scholarships, more opportunity for people to get a scholarship and play sports in college. And where we're headed is quickly to a world where we're going to have the NFL of college football and nothing else. Where Where this all started, and it probably started way before this, but the ACC, the Big 12, and the Big 10 had the alliance, right? And it failed. Had the Big 12 and the ACC actually accomplished the alliance partnership with the Big 10, where would we be today? Because now you have the ACC, excuse me, the Big 10 and the SEC. And, I mean, I can't help but also think this. The ACC and ESPN, and you have ESPN and Fox and, and Time Warner with their partnership coming up. I can't help but think that this is um, jump, getting ahead of we're, we're already down the path of 14 to 16, even though they're starting 12. And it is get ahead of the train that's coming and set up some things that are already locked in contractually before you have a player's union, before you have anything up for bid for the next TV contract. And you have everything aligned to start when you want it to, when everything's up for bid, or you're negotiating with the Players Association that's going to be locked into, well, here's your, your grandfathered into this because this was signed before you formed anything. Yeah. You don't have that voice, but you have the billions. And, and I think the ACC and Big 12, I know what they're going to do. They're you know, going to eventually just sign on to this because, yeah. like Hutton said, they, they just want a piece of that pie. And they get two teams in. And they want to get a cut of it and all of that. But I, this is the beginning of the end for those conferences. If they don't put up a fight, and they're not going to because they likely can never win, but if they don't and they sign over three teams to the Big Ten, three teams to the SEC, two for each of ours, you are going ahead and labeling yourself as lesser than those other two conferences. And this is going to be the eventual demise of both of those conferences where the Big Ten and SEC, five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, whenever that is, they're going to come together and say, well, we'll take you, you, and you, and the rest of you can go get bent. It's an invitation. Somewhere else. And you can come play with us, but no one else can. That's where we're headed. Chad? You were reminded recently of your hatred for the New England Patriots. I'm watching the Dynasty uh, on Apple TV. And um, I don't know if anyone else in the studio is even watching. It, I have but a, I, we give it a rating but out of 10. I'm, uh, I'm coming in every, every day, coming in hot, because I, I, I'm loving it. Okay, good. First off, it's, it's very good. Um, it's, it, like I've said, it's very Last Dance-like, right? Looking back at the Patriots Love Dynasty it. over those 20 years with Brady and Belichick, more than anything else. But... In recent years, I found myself liking Tom Brady a lot more, rooting for him when he was in Tampa. Bill Belichick, I've never really liked him, I wouldn't say, but I can respect it, and I understand what he is and what he's about, and I don't dislike the guy. Then episode six happened. Episode six of this Apple TV show, The Dynasty, titled At All Costs. And episode six gets into the drafting 
and the tenure of Aaron Hernandez in New England. And alas, I'm reminded of why I hate this team and why I hate Bill Belichick and why I hated Tom Brady. If you thought I was pissed off about Belichick not speaking about Spygate, which is a pretty relatively inconsequential thing that he won't even talk about to this day, well, I'm really not pleased the fact that Bill Belichick won't speak on drafting, coddling, defending Aaron Hernandez the way he did. And there are a bunch of accounts in this one that I would love to hear Bill Belichick answer why. One of them comes from Jonathan Kraft, Robert Kraft's son, who said that when he was charged with murder, officially, his dad and Bill Belichick were both in Europe, out of the country on vacation. And he called both, and his dad immediately said, yeah, we got to cut this guy. He's being charged with murder right now. And Jonathan Kraft, on camera, uh, on this series, says he called Bill Belichick, and Belichick didn't want to cut him. Said he hasn't been found guilty of anything yet. He's just been charged with it. And Jonathan Kraft, his words were something along the lines of, yeah, I I don't care what you're saying now. We got to cut this guy because it's time to do the right bleeping thing. He's likely a murderer. So we're going to cut him. And they did. But Bill Bill Belichick didn't want to cut him. Why? Because he's a good football player. There's other accounts in this. Brandon Lloyd says that Wes Welker ran a beeline to him when he got there, when he first signed with the Patriots, and said, Brandon, you're in between Gronk and Aaron Hernandez in your locker room is. Know that Aaron's going to come over to you and he's going to put his genitals on you. He's going to do different things with it. He's also going to talk about bathing with his mother and other things. Just ignore it. The guy is a loose cannon and don't ever engage with him. And then Wes Welker's on camera talking about that. And he even says there was something very off. You could see it. Everyone in the locker room could see it. Some wanted to admit it. Some wouldn't because he's a good player. Bill Belichick wouldn't admit it. Another great story from Brandon Lloyd. And they actually have footage of this in practice where Tom Brady is trying to do a run-through. Aaron Hernandez, I guess, is hurt that week. Mm -hmm. But instead of standing on the sideline, he's dancing and joking around and yelling at the players in the middle of their formation. And Brady is yelling at him, get the bleep off the field. Somebody get this dude the bleep off the field. And Brandon Lloyd's looking over at Bill Belichick, and he's doing nothing. And he's thinking, this is the great Bill Belichick that everyone talks about, the great disciplinarian, doing nothing to Aaron Hernandez. I I was terribly disappointed. Terribly disappointed. Belichick, Brady. Brady would not even speak on camera about it. Never even asked the question. Belichick was asked the question on camera about Aaron Hernandez, and his answer was something like this. We've moved on. I'm just not going to. I talked about it then. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. That's what he says. Here's what Robert Kraft, I'll give Robert Kraft full credit. This is how the episode ends. With the following quote, him looking right into the camera and the camera zooming in for a close-up as he says this. When we bought the team, I said that we could make a difference in our community and make things better. We didn't in this case. There are parents who wake up every day without their sons and a young daughter without her father. We messed up on this one. And for those of you who feel pain, I apologize. And they cut to credits. That's how they end the episode, which was well done by Robert Kraft. But shame on Bill Belichick, not even willing to speak on it at all. And Tom Brady also in this. I thought it was weak of both of them to not at least say something about what they saw from Aaron Hernandez in the locker room. Which other guys, Deion Branch, Wes Welker, Rob Gronkowski, Brandon Lloyd, were all fine 
talking about the weird things they saw in the locker room for Aaron Hernandez. And I was reminded why I hated the Patriots to begin with. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's odd because Belichick, um, Belichick is the one who banned the Patriots players from ever saying his name in the locker room. Was not allowed to, they were not allowed to say Aaron Hernandez's name. Um, and I always got the sense that they were scared of whatever happened to Hernandez, whatever the threats were with Odin Lloyd and everything else. I mean, they, there's clearly something else behind the scenes with all of that. But now, Chad, you're right. I mean, others are still speaking out on it now. Well, in everyone in the locker room, they would, they would talk about, you know, right when you got there, Wes Welker even said it. And uh, Brandon Lloyd also said, everyone, do not hang out. Deion Branch even said, who's his neighbor across the street, Yeah, said, everyone knew, don't hang out with Aaron. They said, whatever he has going on when he leaves the facility, do not socialize with him and the crew that he runs with from Bristol, Connecticut. I mean, because bad things happen around him. It was just known that he, he didn't really hang out with anyone socialized on the Patriots. And, they all were ordered to stay away from him. And see, Gronkowski, the quote from Hernandez, I believe from prison or somewhere, he said something like, oh, uh, Gronkowski's my boy or my, my dog or something like that. He, he got nothing but love for Gronk, uh, which is the case of many players and, and people. Well, even Gronk looked uh, uncomfortable in some but, of the footage even, around him at practice. Even the Patriots, the Patriots as a team, would they did not release a statement after Hernandez's death in 2017. They How about- said, we are aware of what's been reported. How about Jonathan Kraft saying, hey, man, Bill, we got to cut this guy. You know, you got the authority to do that, but we got to do it. He's now been charged with this murder, and they got a ton of evidence on him. It looks bad. And Belichick's response from Europe was, well, he hasn't been convicted yet. Wow. Why, why would we cut a good player? And wow. Kraft just said, yeah, we're, we're cutting him. We're, we're, we're overruling you on this one. Does not make Bill Belichick look great when you see some of these stories. One really funny story from Gronk, yeah. though. On draft night, if you remember, he was like broing it up with his family on stage. Yes. He put the Patriots helmet on. They did some big chant and started jumping around and doing all this crazy stuff. He got a call from the Patriots and said, get off the stage already. You're embarrassing us. And he said, I, immediately I'm thinking, I haven't even wow. gotten there yet. I'm already in trouble <laughs> for the Patriots. They didn't like his personality and how much he way. was showing. Yeah, pretty funny. Uh, you know who uh, has personality and is always great? Kelly in Vegas. She'll join us next. We get uh, some winners for the college basketball week. Time big, to make some money. Big weekend uh, for teams on the bubble, top 25, and more straight ahead here on Hot Mike. Hot Mike with Henny Withrow. We are live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer. Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us here at outkick.com slash watch. Kelly Stewart brings it. Kelly in Vegas. Always great. Check out the fade with her and Clay Travis. Kelly, good to see you. Great to see you guys as always. Happy Friday. Happy March. March Madness. Yes. Finally. It is March. Wow. I can't believe I have been diligently working all day and I just realized... It is the first of March. The madness is upon us. A typical bracket, or how you how you approach the tournament, Kelly. What is a good year for you in the tournament? What's a percentage hit that you try to uh, try to to score here? Ooh, that's an interesting question. I mean, I'm always looking to be around the 56, 57 percent range. No matter lifetime. what. Okay. Okay. Yes, but last year was a really, really good tournament. Yes. For me. Why? 
Well, because the, the, you know, middle of the road seeds, those five, six, seven, eight, nine seeds were just rocking and rolling winning as outright underdogs. You were a great, uh, you were in a great mood at Madison square garden, for instance. Yeah, <laughs> I, I almost don't remember seeing Hutton at Madison Square Garden. That's how good of a mood I was in. Uh, K-State had just beaten Michigan State and Tennessee. We only stayed for the first half, looked good. And then yeah. subsequently, well, you should have stayed for the second half. You were the good luck charm because things went south for that second half. It was not good. But that is what makes uh, March Madness so exciting, right, guys, is that there are so many upsets. There's so much excitement. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look. It's no different than the Super Bowl, how I approach it. I'm not going to force a bet just because there's, you know, 18 games on 18 different TVs and my head's on a swivel. So something to consider uh, over the next couple of weeks, right? We've got conference tournaments coming up. There's definitely going to be some upsets because a lot of these teams have already punched their ticket and a lot of teams are fighting to get in, right? Right now we have uh, bracketology all over the place. Everybody has their different opinions based on the power ratings, Lots of teams on the outside looking in. So I'm going to be looking for some scrappy underdogs to possibly win out right over the next couple of weeks. So really good basketball coming up uh, this weekend. And, and really this time of year, when we get to the last week or so of the regular season and conference tournaments are always fun. Um, Tennessee got a big performance from Dalton connect against Auburn this week. Their gauntlet of the end of season schedule though continues. They go to Alabama Kelly, I know the line's not out yet, but we're going to talk about some of these top 25 matchups and, and what you like about these games. We saw in person Tennessee handle Alabama and Knoxville. What do you think about the sequel to that game happening in Tuscaloosa? So there's always interesting angles that I like to play. One is ranked versus ranked. We've got a couple of those uh, this weekend. We've got, as you mentioned, Tennessee, Alabama. We've got Florida or excuse me, we've got Marquette, Creighton. We've got Florida, South Carolina, and then we've got Gonzaga, St. Mary's. And we'll see how some of these come to fruition. These lines are starting to pop out on DraftKings. Uh, I got the Tennessee app open. Don't tell them that. But Alabama right now, a two-point favorite. You're absolutely right, though, about this Tennessee team. They were money for me. Uh, What was that? Last Wednesday versus Auburn. Did not look good in the first half. They pulled away late in the second half thanks to their defense. Being able to make some solid plays. This is a really fast-paced team. I really enjoy watching the Vols. I think they have a chance to go very deep in this tournament. Is that same defense going to step up? Are they going to be able to shut down the Crimson Tide 3 I don't know. I'm not a big Nate Oates fan. I'm not a big Alabama fan as far as their style of play. Alabama, probably good shot here to be, well, there's a three, probably a three, maybe four seed. This game is huge for them. As you mentioned, Tennessee, Alabama, South Carolina, Kentucky to finish the season. I hope they aren't reading their press clippings after beating Auburn too much. Uh, but I'm leaning towards Alabama in this one. We'll see if I get to the window. Well, and some of their top players, Chad, correct me if I'm wrong, did not play or play well against Tennessee uh, in, in Thompson. I don't recall we, we anyone who played that well for yeah, was, Alabama was that cl- day. Well, it was a pretty fair. easy I, win for Tennessee. They were up almost 20 at halftime I, and yeah. just coasted the whole second half. I, I, Kelly, I just feel like in some of these games, uh, Bama being better than what they've shown um, in, in that one, that they have they've been having to answer questions or – Media fans have been referencing that game even before the matchup was here tomorrow. I, 
I would take Bama personally, just based on all the talk and how people still believe in them, despite them showing what they showed against the Vols earlier. Yeah, look, Alabama's a big basketball team, one of the tallest teams in college basketball. They have a ton of experience. Surely they can put their big boy pants on here and get some revenge against the Vols. Uh, very close to laying the two myself. As I mentioned, the, the ranked versus ranked, if you take yeah. the home team in that one, was hitting at just above 58% over the last five seasons. So it is almost all but an automatic play for me. And Chad, if they win this... They don't lock up the regular season, or they do, the Vols? They don't. They need one more. They would put some distance between themselves. They, they would need, yeah, they would they need, need one, one more, more at least. But, I mean, South Carolina, depending on who they beat, South Carolina's right there a game behind them, too. And, and if got, South Carolina beats them again on Wednesday, they've got two wins against Tennessee. So, they, would, they really need to win two. to lock. If they win the next two games, it's over. If they beat Alabama and beat South Carolina on the road, which, uh, let's be honest, a split looks pretty good. If they yes. do that, not winning both. But if they get a split there, they'll have a chance. If they win both, they lock up the regular season crown. And Kelly, that South Carolina's got Florida tomorrow, yeah, right? Yeah, South Carolina's quite the story this season, too. They are, and they have been so good. Here's kind of my concern. I hope they're not looking ahead this game. You think you're deep in SEC play. You don't want to get caught looking ahead. Having Tennessee circled there, even though they do have a win on the road over the Vols already. This is a Florida team that I think Todd Golden's done a pretty solid job with. I don't want to give him too much credit. Uh, there's a couple of stinkers they lost on the road at Old Miss, um, at Texas A&M, that I didn't think should have been losses. I digress from there. Now we're playing late into the season. This is another one of those teams where I have them power rated in the top 30. I think Ken Pomeroy does as well. But the power ratings that the guys use for bracketology – I don't think you're going to give the Gators that much love. The Gators need a win here over a quad one team. And I'm afraid that it's going to be at home versus Alabama next week. If I have to play it, I'm going to lay it here with the Gamecocks at home. I just don't trust this Florida team on the road. They have been really frustrating. And frankly, I don't trust a lot of road teams this year. Uh, betting on road teams has not been profitable for me whatsoever this season. I think that we're seeing more with home court advantages. Maybe we're not adjusting high enough. But in the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and then, oh, by the way, Conference USA. They have the best home court advantage. They're hitting at 71.4% wow. wow. home wins. That's nuts. I actually had to do the math on that the other day because I was thinking, how is it not the Big 12? And there it was. Conference USA. Congrats to them. Best home court advantages in America. Well, it feels like uh, the older college basketball gets, the better home court advantage gets when you get some more veteran teams. One of those veteran teams is Wisconsin. But they've fallen apart in the last month, Kelly. They host Illinois, so they get the home court advantage there. But we were talking about the Badgers for a possible number one or number two seed just a few weeks ago, and, and they've gone straight downhill since. Yeah, the, I think it was the Michigan State game. Everybody was raving about this Badgers team. Now they've pretty much lost six of their last eight. They, this is a disgusting one. Nobody wants to lay two and a half here with the Badgers. Except for me. I, I'm gross <laughs> enough to do it. And that's the problem. I, I joke a lot. It's a joke. It's still gambling. But I uh, do you hate yourself enough to bet on certain teams? Um, 
Mississippi State has really been uh, a burden to me, but Wisconsin has not bitten me too bad this year. And this is a team, as you mentioned, has just been gross over the last uh, six weeks or so, five weeks, if you will. They've got to turn it around here. They want to get in. They've got to get a big quad one win either here versus Illinois or next Sunday versus Purdue. I don't think they're going to get the win on the road at Purdue. So they've got to get the win here with Illinois. I'm going to lay two and a half here again, ranked versus unranked home favorites uh, lifetime. That one's almost 60%. It has been a moneymaker seen some regression this year for sure, but lifetime uh, since I've been following the system, it's been really great. And that says to play on the Badgers. So uh, let's go home court versus road here. Um, Kansas coming off a loss to BYU. They beat Baylor by three earlier this year. They're on the road at Baylor. Baylor at home. Uh, and they're, I believe they've won two or three straight now. What do you make of the Jayhawks coming off the loss and how they perform against Baylor, who's got a big road, a big road opponent coming in for a, a home matchup? Yeah, on Tuesday, I bet against a very defeated BYU team who had just lost my alma mater Saturday, faced KU. KU's up eight and a half, and then they started to slip away. And I said, you know what? I hope you guys lose outright if you're not going to cover this game. And they did. Okay. It was uh, kind of shocking. But they were without one of their best guys, Kevin McCuller. And Bill Self had said like a week and a half ago, he might not be back. Now I'm hearing he might be back. So keep an eye on him for this one before you get to the window. Double check his status. Baylor, on the other hand, just crushing overtime loss to Houston. That one wasn't very much fun. Decent bounce back versus TCU on Monday. This is a KU team, though, I want no part of on the road. On the road this year, they've lost to UCF, West Virginia, Iowa State, fine. Kansas State, Texas Tech, those are not things that you historically see from this Jayhawks team. Uh, Hunter Dickinson gets himself in an awful lot of foul trouble. Jawan Harris, is he on? Is he off? What are you going to get from him? Uh, and as I mentioned, McCuller being kind of questionable for this one tells me I have to stay away. Unfortunately, by the time we get his news, it will already be built into the line. I made Baylor minus five, currently four and a half, uh, pretty much as they're starting to pop up here on the odd screen. Slight lean to Baylor because that, again, fits that ranked versus ranked take the home team. But I have to know if Kevin McCullers playing because if he is, that may really re rejuvenate this Kansas team. Uh, Davey had a hypothetical for us a couple of weeks ago. It may have been earlier this week. I can't remember. Uh, uh, you take three teams or the field going into the tournament. And Oof. it was UConn, Purdue, and Houston or the field. Which way would you go right now? Because we had different, we had different opinions on this. So that's funny you guys say that. And it all depends on what region everybody gets mm -hmm. in, right? So we were talking about how Clay and I, for the fade, when we're going to do an episode. They said, let's do it the night of Selection Sunday. I was like, guys, I still have to handicap these teams that would never face each other in a million You've years. Got to like, dig on, yeah, need, you got to do your research. I need a little bit of time. Yeah. And, and the producer said, oh, okay, okay, we'll try to do it Monday. I said, that's <laughs> fine. But we do have to take a step back and look at teams and how they're going to match up against one another. So that is going to be huge. It looks like UConn will be in Boston, which is going to be great for them. It looks like Purdue is going to be in Indianapolis, which is going to be great for them. Houston is a weird team. I cannot figure out this team. I have watched more Houston basketball this year, and I want to give them a compliment, but I can't find one. I cannot yeah. find one thing that excites me about that Houston basketball team, uh, which kind of tells me that maybe – 
They're going to be flying under the radar. Maybe there's some value on betting them. Uh, but UConn, I do another podcast. My friend John and I left it up to the audience. And of course, the audience picked UConn. So we have a futures bet on UConn. Uh, the college basketball fan in me, though, no, I want chaos. I want a, I want a six seed to, to win the whole thing. You know, I want something fun. I want a, a relative unknown program. I don't want any blue blood winning it ever. Uh, but if you had to tell me, okay, Kelly, then pick one of those teams that's going to make the tournament and go on a subsequent run. I don't have one. Uh, I wanted to make a case for Creighton. I wanted to make a case for a couple other teams that used to be around the 40 to one mark. And as you know, Chad mentioned with Wisconsin, there's been some teams that have just fallen off a cliff. This is a, this is a tough year for college basketball. It's been a tough year for me. So I've really just tried to keep it simple. So I guess I got to probably have to agree with Davey. I'll take the three chalk versus the Mm. field. Texas A&M preseason picks second in the SEC. They've lost five straight since beating Tennessee at home. Five in a row, Mm. including losing basically at the buzzer to South Carolina at home uh, this week. I was on them against South Carolina, and that was a frustrating loss. You're absolutely right. There is just some teams where – Hey, it's no different than anything else, right? We talked about the Chiefs in the NFL, right? All season long, I did this show, and I'm like, they're not that good. They're not that good. Well, when they needed to be good, they were really good. And uh, it's it's that peaking at the right time. Uh, And and maybe we will see some of these teams, like a Wisconsin or an A&M, start to make a run, whether in their conference tournaments, maybe in March Madness. But I kind of feel like you don't really come back from that. And then I then go back to the Chiefs, and I'm like, well, they had a, a, a decent losing streak there, at least against the spread, and uh, were able to come back and win a Super Bowl. So I don't want to speak out of both sides of my mouth because that's what it feels like there. But uh, as far as picking, I got I to gotta go with the three chalk. Kelly, have a winning weekend. Thank you. Make some money. Check out the, the fade the with uh, Kelly and Clay as well. Uh, good to see you. I always appreciate the visit. Great to see you guys as well. Enjoy your Fridays. We will. Kelly Stewart. Kelly we always and do. We always do. Weekend starts on Thursday on this show. But That's right. We'll enjoy the Friday as well. That's right. Uh, always uh, appreciate Kelly joining us. Check the show. out The Fade. Great oh, show. Yes. Great uh, program. Available now, outkick.com. Chad, uh, coming up, Tyreek Hill involved in an incident that, uh, well, it's reminiscent of Rey Mysterio against the big show in WWE. Good we'll, reference. We'll discuss that. Plus, um, there's we had Kelly on. She makes money. There's also a potential to make some money, hit the lottery uh, in Major League Baseball, involved in Major League Baseball and the NFL, involving Otani and Jerry Jones. That's coming up straight ahead on Hot Mike. Just like that, second hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow, Friday edition. Glad you're with us. Outkick.com slash watch is where you can stream the show live. Also, um, on-demand uh, highlights of the show, clips, and more of all the uh, programs here available at YouTube through the Outkick channel. Chad, you can follow all the all of the social media platforms. All of it. Most of them at Outkick. Only one that's not at Outkick? Instagram. At Outkick the coverage on Instagram. That's, that's right. it. Um, Tyreek Hill says he did not kick or break the leg of a influencer for social media. Um, that... Uh, they were participating in football drills. She, in her lawsuit, claims that um, she humiliated him 
uh, doing football drills. Knocked him down. Knocked him down and uh, knocked him back. People laugh. Family members of Tyreek Hill laugh. Here she is. Uh, I compared this to Rey Mysterio against the Big Show. Um, <laughs> she towers over him. She's 6'1". And uh, broke her leg. Tyreek Hill and his uh, his representative a lot of leg to break. Said, I don't know. Yes, it is. Uh, said that uh, this is false. This is not accurate. They will defend themselves. And um, they, they claim that she actually tripped over a dog. <laughs> so I... I have so many follow-ups here because if one breaks their leg doing something, there something has to happen. Like, did she just get like up and limp block. off to her Uber? I want to know and what leave the house. Did, did they go pack for her while she laid on the ground? Then they carried her to her car. I mean, what? What was the like immediate follow-up? Is it a fracture where, like, I once broke my thumb and I thought I just jammed it, you know? But I, yeah, it, like, the could swelling she walk never went away? down, so I had to. I don't know. Even though she broke her leg. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. did someone help her go to the hospital? Did someone? Did they just ditch her out in the the alley behind his house? I don't, I don't and someone a, got her. I don't. I, I want to know everything that happened from her having her leg allegedly broken by Tyreek Hill. I don't think this was Joe Theismann. After Tyreek Hill's family um, <laughs> laughed at him for getting knocked down by right. by this this large woman. To her having a rod put in her leg through surgery. Yeah. What happened in between? The moment after impact and after injury, did he help you go to the hospital? Did someone in his family help you? Did you not know that it was broken until a week later? That happens. I know people have broken their shoulder and done different things or broken a rib and they, they just got hit really hard doing something. They go to the doctor later and it's, it's broken. But I want to know everything that happened from the time, the time of impact to the time of lawsuit right. and putting the rod in her leg. And what she's saying, this is Hill and Hall, her last name's Hall. Uh, Hall says that Tyreek Hill flew her to South Florida to stay with him at his home for, quote-unquote, several days. Uh, but he, he became angry and embarrassed when she knocked him back while performing football activities the day that she arrived. Immediately, just get right into the drills. Day one. Yeah. Drill it up. So he'll allegedly... <laughs> it's like the Junction Boys yeah. at his house. It's a real strict regimen. Taking We're getting you pills. up at 5 a.m. and you're going to start running. Yeah. We're going to drill right off the bat. Yeah. Here's your guest room that I'm paying for your flight down yeah. here. Give me some up-downs. You will not sleep in the master. You will sleep in the guest room, and I'll have someone wake you up at 5 a.m. She's so. drinking uh, eggs, raw eggs like Rocky, <laughs> getting ready every morning, getting ready for drills. So what the hell is going on? Here? So uh, this is such a weird story. Paul says Hill uh, charged into her violently and with great force, resulting in significant and serious injuries. And that after she suffered the injury, Hill declined to get her medical attention and de- de- downplayed its severity. Ultimately, fractured leg needed surgery They're just when talking. she returned home. They're just talking. Yeah, we're just talking here. Um, I'm reminded of Anchorman. When he fights Christina Applegate and everybody, his buddies surround him. They're just talking. They're trying to separate it when they're in an actual fight. Um, yeah. It's a weird story. I mean, if she really broke her leg and they he, he downplayed it, wouldn't allow her to get medical attention no. or help her out. And then she goes and she has a broken leg and she actually has a, a rod put in her leg or whatever she's claiming. Yes. Uh, it's not good she's, for Tyreek Hill. She's requested. Uh, this is the most surprising part. But to now me. it's that she tripped over a dog. That's That's what. Yes. That is what did uh, he hit her said. into the dog? <laughs> but she is on crutches here. I mean, the, all, all these things can be true, right? He could have hit her hard and in then the she drill. Trips over the dog. Then she tripped but over the dog, the dog and dog broke her leg. The leg injury. But he thought that she was faking. It's not well, like a Kyle Filipowski fake. She wasn't actually faking because I don't think one has surgery if they're faking. Right. 
That's that's quite the it's extreme. Tough, yeah. So, uh, like Filipowski saying, you know, I'm going to have ACL repair just to prove to everyone that I'm not faking this injury. Yeah. Had that happened, repair this perfect ACL. Had that happened, I w- even if he was faking, I still would have believed him since he went through with the surgery. Uh, um, so the, the most surprising part to me, it, aside from you know, is it a dog or is it football drills? I want to know what drills these were. Um, she's only request. I say only in the ring in the world of litigation. <laughs> With his whole family around the circle. She's the bull. Yes, and everyone else is around hitting grandma. You're calling out people coming up. <laughs> she calls them out and just auntie, come on. Boom. Again, I'm imagining Big Show against Rey Mysterio. Yep. Um, the lawsuit compensation in the world of litigation that we live in seeks damages between fifty thousand and seventy five thousand dollars, and she has demanded a trial by jury. Um, not a trial by combat. Yeah, which would be uh, bad for Tyreek Hill. I demand trial by combat. I'd like, to, I'd like to have a trial by combat with a proxy. They both get to name <laughs> someone. Like she's in a relationship with, you know, Big Show or someone she like is that. The mountain. And so then she's she the gets mountain. to, you know, the guy who played the mountain, she gets to bring that guy in and to fight Tyreek Hill or someone no, he I don't, I don't think she needs a, I don't think she needs a proxy. No. I think Hill would need it. Got so angry, got blocked her. I mean, either that or he knocked her What was her it, Davey something. described her as? Brienne of Tarth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another good comparison. Look, I wouldn't mess with this lady. Tyree Kill, you know, she's paid very, for a lot of things hey. on the trip. Brought her. I mean, she's a big woman. Let's, so he tried. He probably took her lightly. And he got knocked on his ass. And they started laughing at him. And he felt like his, uh, his ego got bruised, I guess. And then he went a little crazy well, I, afterwards. Again, I... She, allegedly, she clearly, allegedly, yeah, it's a lawsuit, and he's he says it's not true through his attorney. Um, clearly, not a money grab here. That to me makes it more believable. Yeah, only fifty or sixty grand, right? The is what she's to, asking. Fifty for? to seventy-five for yeah. the medical compensation. Do we think this ends with him just paying it? I don't know why he just wouldn't pay it. This happened in June. What if he doesn't have it? What if he spent all Tyreek his money Hill? already? I mean, I mean, there's a chance. I don't think Tyree Kill's a great money manager, if I had to guess. Oh, I mean, I, I think he's he's fine based on the roster bonuses he's get, mm. he has coming up. He's got a nice house. And he's bought. I mean, the I, man I the man has fifty to seventy five grand, right? I would think that he's got that in his couch cushion. Shohei Otani has seven hundred million headed to him, but it was deferred until for like post ten career, years, so he gets back to he'll Japan. Start making that money in a decade. He comes back, uh, joins the team, and then announced uh, that. During the offseason, aside from signing this $700 million contract, uh, he also got married. Just announced he got married. Dodgers were surprised by this. Uh, apparently, many of the, the, his friends here were surprised by this. And that led Joe Kinsey to the question at outkick.com, um, what are prenups like in Japan? It is not common. It's not part of the, the culture in Japan. So $700 million, you sign that and you do that and get married. Um, in this day and age, who knows? Uh, she she's Japanese. He said that uh, she's just a kind Japanese woman, and he wanted to leave it at that. I, I like how he handled it. He released a statement of what it, his off season was like, but it is fascinating uh, uh, the mystery woman in Japan that's sitting on the the lottery of seven hundred million, and it happened this off season. Both of the things. I mean, I'd love to note. Um, I love, by the way, there's no photo of this woman either no, that's that his, you can find. He doesn't want that. He, Total mystery he, one, but then it's just him in writing that he got, you know, got married. You want this? Uh, you, with you no want, photo. Here's the, the translation to all my friends and fans throughout. I have an announcement to make. Not only have I began a new chapter in my career with the Dodgers, but I also began a new life with someone from my native country of Japan, who is very special to me, and I wanted everyone to know I am now married. I'm excited for what is to come, and thank you for your support, Joey Otani. So, 
I, I have not read uh, the article yet, but I will, from Joe Kinsey. Even if there's no prenup or that's not what's done in Japan, I'd like to know the divorce rule in terms of how much – is it just an equal stake as you get what you brought into it? And also, I begged to ask the question, did he wait to sign this contract with the Dodgers till after he was married where that can't be claimed? Because all the money he had made before could be claimed in a, in a divorce – but anything made after a lot of times is not. So what was there some strategy? I'm not accusing Sho- Shohei Otani of anything that's bad. I'm simply saying, did he calculate it to where he got married right before he signed the $700 million deal in order to have that protected? Because that is money that was earned after the, the marriage. Um, well, I think that was just due to the taxes. No, I know, but you see what I'm saying? Like, he could also, it could have been conveniently done after he got married. To where if he he signs the contract before he's married, she gets half of that, too, if they get divorced. I I don't know. I don't know the divorce laws in Japan. Well, Kinsey Kinsey put this out on Reddit and found that one of the responses was, he said, it didn't take long for the experts to roll in. Quote, they aren't really a thing, but you could simply hold your marriage hostage and refuse to divorce until they give you what they want. Well, that sounds um, healthy. Yeah. And once you go through with it, both parties can add certain conditions through a general contract. If that happened to Otani, he'd just say, okay, we'll just stay married then. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have the legal binding paperwork. It's just aren't really a thing. It's not a part. Well, congratulations to the Otanis in all, in all seriousness. Sure. Uh, so he's got the $700 million contract. Uh, he's not... Close to what the Cowboys are worth, ten billion, currently the most valuable franchise. Period. And there's a woman, 27 year old, who believes that Jerry Jones is her father. In 2022, he was ordered to take a paternity test, and then this has been put on hold, um, and through an injunction. And a judge, uh, I believe, on Monday, ruled that he, in fact, Jerry Jones will have to take a paternity test at 81 years old. 27-year-old daughter puts him at 54, uh, potentially, when this would have occurred. And, I mean, the 81-year-old going in for the paternity test, Jerry Jones, you know, the, the boisterous and always opinionated Jerry Jones, what a scene that would be, fly on the wall, just to see him walk through the door and, uh, or have someone come and actually uh, be there on the meeting schedule, paternity test. This child would have been, at conception, Jerry would have been 54? Yeah. Um, can we post that photo one more time? I don't think she looks like Jerry Jones. Kind of. Well, I mean, maybe she. It's hard, more it's like hard to tell, but I don't. I don't. I don't see Jerry when I when I see well, her. the timing. It's, I know this is has, not a scientific test I'm undergoing right now, like the paternity test that Jerry is forced to take here or could be forced to take. But uh, I don't see a huge resemblance. I'm trying to find the Jerry Jones in her, and I can't can't find it. Just looking at the picture. So he's denied being the father of this woman. Cynthia Davis is her name. Um, and she filed this lawsuit. She alleged that her mother, Cynthia Davis, had a relationship with Jones in the late 90s uh, when she was conceived and sought a DNA test to prove that Jones was her father after initially suing, later dropping it to have a judge declare that she wasn't bound by financial settlements between him and her mother in order to request this paternity test. So here we go from 2022 to now, and now he's got to do it. Just wants to know who her dad is. Nothing wrong with that. She's about to find out. And she, was, she also filed a defamation lawsuit against Jones last year 
uh, accusing him and, and other associates of concocting a plan to label her an extortionist. I don't know how to talk about these stories if not to joke about them. I know, I'm saying. When I see them, I, I just, it, uh, this is like, we could just read the straight news or I could joke about her not looking like Jerry Jones. I, I, don't, I, don't, I think she kind of does, I don't though. know like what how to approach this because... It is someone that is searching for who, the identity of her father. I, I know, but it's also it's Jerry Jones, and it's oh, it's it's both funny and not funny at the same multi -billionaire time. Multi-billionaire Jerry Jones, too. right? I mean, it, just in terms of what this could mean for her, when she has sought this out and finds out that Jerry Jones is the biological father, what does that mean for I, inheritance purposes? I would hope that if it's true that he worked out some sort of financial arrangement with her mother... Or just all goes to well, that the they're, two. they're everyone's okay. I, I don't know. I, I would think they're pretty rich based on whatever that financial arrangement is already. Yes, yeah. And I guess maybe she wants more out of it. Maybe she wants stake in the team. I, I don't know ultimately what the end game is here, but I'm going to go under the assumption that unless it was her mother only negotiating for herself and no one else involved, and she's a terrible negotiator, that they got a lot of money in this deal to begin with. I mean, this is... Both her and her is, mom. Where's Maury Povich? I can see a little bit more resemblance now that they're side Does by Jerry side. Does Jerry react the same way? I retract has... my previous statement. They I do, see yeah. In the mouth, they look alike. And the eyes. I, yeah. mean, I, I don't see Jerry smiling all that much, so it's tough. But no. it's the nose. She's got a pretty smile. She does. Uh, now we see what does, Jerry would look like if he smiled more. It's a very, well, well, it's would, a beautiful smile. Does he, he smile? Does he jump up and down? Does he run around crazy like we would see on the Maury Povich, You Are Not the Father episodes? You are I, not the father. And the music plays? I think so. I think you'd get an ecstatic response from Jerry, if that's the case. From this line from the New York Don't Post. Don't we all know how this is going to end, though? But what? I mean, he's, he's the father. I guess. I just, I don't well, know. That would be the, the strangest trick ever played. If your mother... Like, you do not know who your father is, and your mother claimed for years well, or told you that Jerry Jones was the father, but she, and they had some sort of settlement at, beforehand, and, that and then not, it turns out not to be true. But had a settlement beforehand that they believed, that they, on their side, believed, and, and the, quote, the possible daughter believed, that she could not access a paternity test based on the settlement. I mean, but just think about believing that if you're this woman who's 27. You believe this for a while. You're trying to prove it. Your mom has said it. Other people know about this uh, arrangement right. that happened. Your mom got paid because of it. She's showing checks or showing money coming into the account trying to prove it. Right. Then you do the paternity test, and it turns out your dad is Rick in Tulsa and not Jerry Jones. After all that, Chad, I mean, a, what a cruel, cruel Chad, joke uh, played by the mother. I'm adopted. Don't know my birth parents. I, I could, can I say that I'm Jerry Jones' son? Or your dad could be Rick in Tulsa. Also, right. or Jerry Jones. But my point right. being, if you were convinced by people that Jerry Jones was your father, right. and then you wanted to find out, and it turns out after a, paternity, a blood test and everything else that it's not Jerry what, Jones, what but I'm, you firmly believe that if you're her, what if Clay's that my is brother. a cruel, sick joke. What if Clay's my brother at the end of this? <laughs> that would be amazing. Mr. Travis, <laughs> your father. I just hit not, the lottery. Not Randy. Just hit the lottery. Randy Travis would be old enough to be your dad, too. Could be yeah. Randy. I think Clay is a distant relative of Randy Travis. I feel like we've talked about this, or they're, they're, they're related in some way. They, um, I think I just made all that up. They're playing Randy Travis, or were, here at Six and Peabody. Every Friday, they're playing Randy Travis somewhere around here. So uh, Can't go Friday without a little Randy fair. Travis. Uh, have you seen uh, A-Rod? Digging up bones. A-Rod went on vacation and fell asleep outside. Yeah. And everyone's like, what? what's going on? Everyone's heading up because he was on uh, TV recently sitting uh, – Watching a game. Claim he was undergoing the reverse Sammy Sosa. Yes. Where Sammy right. Sosa went white 
and Look, A-Rod was turning just, much darker. I'm just thinking of uh, you know, everyone just bashing him, <laughs> like, what is going on with the, the complexion of, of Alex Rodriguez? And he has to say, like, I went on vacation and fell asleep in the sun. I'm Dominican. Uh, I, I just started laughing because I'm thinking, imagine his reaction when he wakes up and he looks in the mirror. Oh, I know. It's like Kevin McAllister in Home Alone, yeah. screaming. <laughs> Plenty of jokes. So Some of the jokes on social. Uh, one guy says, damn, A-Rod is the same complexion as me with a screenshot on the TV. <laughs> uh, Reverse Sosa was a great one. Is he on TV during this? Yes. So... Um, because he's a, I'm asking, he's a Minnesota Timberwolves uh, but was co-owner he, or something. Right, but was he preparing to be on television with the Timberwolves broadcast or something? No, I think they just showed him courtside during okay. the broadcast. It just it looks like a combination of yeah, he got a sunburn, but also a bad makeup but job. He, he was also, but he was he was I think he was getting mic'd up to be be on an interview. That's my point. Like it looks like a combination of bad makeup job and sunburn. So uh, they like tried to cover it up by giving him really dark makeup. And that's why, because I'm looking at his earpiece and thinking, this has got to be someone putting him in makeup to go on television, See, mix with that, because that's not just sunburn. It doesn't look like. Well, he says it's not sunburn. It's just like uh, if you tan, you or right. you, you you don't burn, you just tan. I you understand really what he's saying, but you get what I'm saying. It I, could see, be I both. See, I want to see. It could be is. dark makeup and the tan. I don't think it's dark makeup though. I think it's just uh, he he admitted it's like I'm Dominican. I fell asleep in the sun. I think it, someone went a little too caramel. With the makeup. I, I want to see. I think the Timberwolves TV broadcast makeup artist went a little too caramel also. Uh, I think o- both happened. Omari, War- Omari Warren chimed in on social and said, uh, A-Rod leaned all the way into Black History Month. <laughs> That's and, a good one. And, uh, yeah, That's one good. day later, he's responding to all of them. Which ended yesterday, but it was timely at the time. He said, all right, everybody, I know that I'm dark, but I am Dominican, and I went on vacation fell asleep in the sun. So everybody calm down. And then he, and then he uh, translated something else he put in here and said, calm down. Calm and gentle, my people, is what he put. I, I like that um, he had a sense of humor about it. Yeah, he, he, he played it, it off a video. very well with he, his he video. He on a video with he's laughing about it. Right. I mean, he would have to have a sense of humor about it, I'm guessing. He would explain it behind the scenes, like in his normal life. Yeah. Um, not a dumpster fire, how he handled that, or I, mean, I guess it could be a dumpster fire for Jerry Jones. I don't know how reactive he is, the father. But we do have our dumpster fires of the week on this Friday. David will uh, jump in with us here. My, I'll, I'll kick things off, guys. Um, mine's pretty simple. It is the whole saga of court storming. How we, we have flipped into, uh, we as a collective fan base uh, and uh, media, just immediately, and, and coaches, players, jumped right into the, got to get rid of it, ban it. We knew something bad was going to happen. Something, something happened to Filipowski. Ban it. And now he, he plays, and no one is saying anything about court storming. We'll see one this weekend, probably. We'll see a court that is stormed this weekend. I love the scene of storming the field in college football. I love the fact that the president of the University of Tennessee, when asked about Tennessee storming the field over Alabama, he said, uh, absolutely, worth, worth it, whenever he was asked about the, the fine, which I think was $250,000 from the SEC said it's worth it because it is it is the pageantry and the difference that makes college football great it's what the nfl doesn't have and it's what the money can't take from us but the powers that be and the analysts and the voices want to strip it from us because a player at duke not a player at western kentucky a player at duke collided with a fan 
rushing the court, not looking for Filipowski, but looking to join every fan that was on the court with him for the moment. And in that moment, another fan gives him a forearm, forearm shove, a shove as he's turned around because he knows it's now the Duke player and it's Filipowski on the uniform. Get rid of that fan. Get rid of that student. Don't allow him to come back. I'm fine with that. Make an example of him. But we can't make an example of taking away anything because one thing happened and it wasn't that serious. Dumpster fire. My dumpster fire this week happened today, and we haven't had a ton of time to process it, but Marvin Harrison Jr., a very, very strange story where he just backs out of his media availability at the Combine all of a sudden, uh, and there's no real explanation yet as to why that is. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a guy, Bobby Carpenter comes on our show, we'll, we'll talk about this and testify to it, not a single question mark about this dude about his character, about his ability, everything. Um, not one bad mark against him. And I, I don't know what's going on, but this is very odd that this would happen last minute the way it did without any real explanation from his camp as to what's going on, and it's my dumpster fire of the week. And they, they did say uh, they, there was an NFL spokesperson that came up to the media group that was waiting on him and simply said, Marvin Harrison Jr. is here. He's not going to be speaking here. I don't have any other information. Someone chimed hmm. in. I don't know if it's a representative of his or not. Some chimed in on social and said, relax, people. He's getting his medicals done. But to this moment, he hasn't talked. But he did weigh in. He took uh, measurements because you have to do that when you arrive. Yeah. But did not, did not go straight to the media. This could be easily explained. Very That's easily explained. And I'm also, if he wasn't going to do the media availability, they could have worked that out to begin with. I don't think that his medicals would run up against that. And then they would just say, oh, he's not doing it. Because of that, hey. it's, it's a strange story that feels like there could be an easy explanation. And because there hasn't been one, I know. it makes me wonder about what's going on. I'm not one to lash out wildly and speculate on things that are no, by no means uh, information that we currently have. I mean, his, his dad was great about hiding some things as yep, well. Right. So let's. That's not fair to him, though. No, it's not. Yeah. But maybe he was. But like father, stuff. like son. I get that one all the time as well. All right, guys, my dumpster fire. I want you to look at this x-ray. Okay. Now, on this x-ray, does anything seem off to you? Looks like... Uh, the contents of the bowels, or wherever that is, yes. looks different. Yeah, that, that'd be correct. This uh, x-ray is courtesy of the... What's the what's the gerbil's name in South Park? Lemmy Winks. Lemmy Winks. Yes. What's what this looks like? Lemmy Winks. Yes, uh, the, the Sir Gingham Ram Hospital in New <laughs> Delhi. Now, what you're seeing are uh. clots that have been forming... In a 26-year-old's intestines. Now it turns out that these there were 39 coins and 37 magnets, which we also have the photos of these. And you might be wondering, what on earth were these items doing what? in this man's <laughs> body? Yes. Well, you know, uh, one of the supplements you can take when you're trying to add on mass in bodybuilding is zinc. This dumbass decided to start eating metal coins because he thought zinc would help oh, him wow. put on weight, which technically it would help him put on weight, just not the type that he was hoping for. Now, unfortunately, they don't give me this name, this guy's name, to where I could chastise him for all his dumbass decisions. But he ended up having to stay uh, a week in the hospital as they were fortunately able to remove these items. I, what would have been crazy, they didn't do this, but let's say he had a MRI scheduled. Uh, before the x-ray was taken. And, and, man, all that metal in your body going through an MRI machine, that'd been something else. So That's a tough, tough beat for that guy. 
uh, and it's all self-imposed. Can we there. see the x-ray again? How did everything end up in three different precise locations? It started I, clotting together, I guess. I, I don't know what did, exactly would have been attracted. Would just expand where it was? But it Unless didn't. he took them all at certain times, and that's like it's going through the system together. I. But you think it would go through? I don't know. I don't know. It's just very. I, I love the so X-rays getting, with the dog and the this, heart. Do we you know, know the, I'm talking about? Do we know the, the timetable? That's of what this? I thought this was going to be at first. Do we know the timetable? I, I don't where, know when he started and like how long right. he waited he before he was to, the hospital. Is it about to exit him? Is that what we're seeing? The no, first, it, I mean it was group? it was building up. Like he's lucky he didn't. It's have, like, like can you imagine? Does he need to take a huge slam and that's why he had to go? Well, in? this looks like three huge slams. No, but the one looking at right now. But it's in different spots, in different phases. But you know how if you have someone like my brother once ate a rock and you know you wait on the rock to pass through yeah um, as someone who's had kidney stones many times i know about passing things when like did he that. first take we don't know exactly we, we don't know when he first started to ingest the coins and magnets he, he ultimately sounds, like, i mean he's, he's fortunate he magnets. didn't die from zinc toxicity magnets that's like my like favorite that's a natural selection if he died from that exactly you know? exactly Someone's going to come, come across this. Uh, Education, it's Someone important. comes across uh, uh, him like 200 years from now or whatever, and like, oh, found some treasure. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> found treasure. Look at this metal that's next to these uh, rotting uh, bones, this carcass. Uh, it's a it's, rare it, coin it, And right it's there. in three different groups, and yeah. someone thought, aliens put this here. Probably. Aliens put these magnets here. A few generations away. Chad, coming up, um, I've got some thoughts on the Combine. There's, okay. some, there, there's some bad signs of what they're seeing right now that's going to lead to one big thing, and it's money for the players. Uh, that plus uh, we have uh, more to get into with uh, the weekend straight ahead. And you've got the Patriots and whether or not they're taking a quarterback at three. And what happens with Mac Jones? Maybe nothing. Maybe he's here in Nashville at a condo. I doubt it. That's next on Hot Mike. Sixth and Peabody location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hunt with Withrow. Outkick.com slash watch is where you can go for the uh, shows each day, streaming live. Plus, uh, go to shop.outkick.com for the store. Uh, DBAP shirt available there. Closing out the week strong. Yes. Uh, Chiefsaholic will not be doing that. No. Uh, the man on the run is no longer doing that, no. except at a guilty plea, uh, where he was uh, pled guilty to three charges, including one count of money laundering, um, transporting stolen property across state lines, and bank robbery. Bank robbery. Uh, he could see, uh, with this, um, up to 50 years in jail. And, well, here is uh, his attorney, Matthew Merriman. From the beginning of this case, folks, the government has been blitzing, and Xavier's pocket was collapsing. But today, Xavier stepped into the pressure he took responsibility for his actions. He stood up in court, humble and repentant, and admitted what he had done. Now, if I know anything about Xavier, and if the Chief's Kingdom Xavier. knows anything about Chief Saholic, we know that he doesn't give up. We know that if he stumbled, and he fell, he didn't let his knee touch the ground. And that's because- He was wearing a suit. He's capable of doing a great thing. And he knows that there's still hope. We still have a lot of work to do on his case, 
But Xavier wants everyone to know that he loves the Chiefs' kingdom, he loves Kansas City, and he hopes that you'll rally to his support. Thank you, and God bless. And I love Taylor Swift. Um, that, that read as if Davey wrote the script for The Lawyer. I'm uh, surprised he didn't, he didn't that, pull that out. That did not seem real. Matthew it was very Merriman. surreal watching that. I'm surprised he didn't grab the Chiefsaholic uh, gear, the you know the the mask of the the wolf or whatever that he, he dresses as, yeah, uh, and put it on like Lee Corso at the end of it, referencing football again. I, I have a very healthy disdain for the celebrity fan. I I, I do not like it in general. There yeah. are some that are better than others because of how they became a celebrity fan. But the idea of someone wearing a goofy outfit over yes. and over again and then becoming some sort of celebrity fan that feels like, you know, uh, they should have an attorney say that, you know, you should be supporting this guy. Please support him during this tough time. And I, um, I, I hate that in general. Uh, he, he's admitted to stealing more than $800,000. And he's, uh, this man stood in Xavier. Xavier stood first in front of Xavier, court, then it became Xavier, and it admitted you know he took responsibility because yeah, he got caught. Yeah, uh, the government blitzed him. This guy in he, court. This guy has the peach fuzz that the sixth grader, that the cool sixth grader who uh, went through puberty first. Everyone knows that you had the the one kid who would be six. He was like six foot tall in seventh or eighth grade, and he's still around six feet. This is what Xavier looks like. It looks like the you know the scrubby uh, mustache. No wonder he's he's wearing the, the gray he, wool. He looks just like an actor, and it's something something junior is the actor I'm thinking of. A Adam may be able to come up with this. He's in a Disney movie where he plays a baseball coach. He's in a ton of stuff. He also and if we find it in the side by side, of, I mean, this guy looks just like that he actor. Kind of looks like James Franco a little bit, and it's the it's the weird facial hair. I'm gonna show you someone Chad, Hutton, that like you're Chad. gonna see this guy. When you say you can't grow a beard, and you are going to when you say you can't grow a freak beard, out because he looks just like him. Is it because it looks like this? Wouldn't you shave oh, this? Oh no, my, mine looks would better you wear than this? that. All of right, there it, it is. The perfect game is the name of the movie. Okay, and it's something. I'm junior. finding this in real time. It's something Clifton Collins Jr. Maybe they just came to me. I'm about to find it right here. Is that the judge in the Tennessee case? Uh, that's Clifton Judge. Uh, your honorable Judge Clifton Corker okay. would be his name. Oh, he does look like him. You're right. Is that the name? You nailed it. Finally came to me. Clifton Collins it. Jr. I thought that was him at first. If we can get a side-by-side -side of Clifton Collins Jr. with this dude, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Hutton, my – there he is right there. Look at that. That photo. Yeah, I'm looking is at him now. Is that not identical? Yeah. I mean, my it, God, what an amazing pull by uh, me. Films such as – Please find that photo traffic, so we can show this. Pacific Rim. He's a I don't very know how you weird this. dude. He's a very strange Auto, character in every movie he's in. Westworld. He's usually playing like a, a, a junkie in movies. So he's a very strange-looking, I mean, strange guy. Or a, or a bank robber. Not a bad-looking guy, just character actor that plays some strange roles at times. What was his process of robbing the bank? Did we know that? I don't. Stealing $800,000? Do we think that the butt-chugger attorney and this attorney are related in some way? Can we, are we allowed to, can we play this? The, the first uh, portion of uh, the, the, the attorney again. You're talking about, yeah, the attorney? Yes, uh, Matthew Merriman. Just a, just, just a snippet? If you haven't seen... The start seen, is a very similar cadence to yeah, the butt chugger attorney. I just want to hear him say that uh, we're to a point now where Chief's a holic. Uh, Bubadar, I believe is his last name, uh, who wears the gray wolf suit for the Kansas City Chiefs, stealing up and admitted uh, he's, he, he uh, pleaded guilty 
to doing this uh, in court. And here is his, his lawyer trying to give him credit and, and want, he, he wants us to feel sympathy for Chief Zahali. From the beginning of this case, folks, the government has been blitzing. Like and Xavier's pocket was collapsing. Also not a fan of the coat. But today, Xavier stepped into the pressure. He took responsibility for his actions. He stood up in court, humble and repentant, and admitted what he had done. Now, if I know anything about Xavier, and if the Chief's Kingdom knows anything about Chief Zaholic, Xavier. We know that he doesn't give up. We know that if I mean this guy this guy looks like McLovin. He looks like he old fell. McLovin. It's, it feels like He didn't a let his knee touch the ground. Parody. I don't I don't think I'm watching something what's it, real. What's the dude's name? Mintz Plaz or something? He's capable. McLovin. Yeah, Christopher Mintz Plaz. It looks like his dad. And he knows Well, that's this is that McLovin still now. Hope. McLovin's yeah, this say, age the older now. McLovin. We still have a lot of work to do on his case. But Xavier wants to everyone right. to know that he loves guy. the Chief's Kingdom. Are you an of Irish folk singer with the name McLovin? Yeah. That is um, terrific, terrific stuff. I, I immediately think about the butt chugger, the attorney in Knoxville. Now, when, when asked if he had been butt chugging, my client said, What is that? <laughs> it's a very, the cadence is right on point with the butt chugger attorney. Another legend. Hey. Do we have a photo of, of Clifton Collins Jr. yet? There, there it, is. it is. Look at that. Put a now, grimy mustache yes. on that dude. You're right. And some chin pubes. And yep. that is our guy, yep. Xavier. Little peach fuzz. Spot on. Holy cow. That one jumped right out to me when I saw him. I thought it was the actor at first. And I thought I was being punked after watching the attorney video and not knowing anything else about this case. I thought Davey was putting one, a, a, pulling so a fast one on us. Here, here is Chief Saholic's attorney. Uh, if we rewind from August, let's compare the comments. This is not Chief Saholic's last drive. It's a great haircut. And he believes, not his last and drive. we believe, that when the final whistle blows and all of the facts are known, that he is going to be redeemed in the eyes of his community, his in the eyes of his fans, and in the eyes of the Chief's kingdom. As if anyone cares. He is going to be Put, redeemed. Puts this dude. Everyone wanted him to get caught. There was a my phone probably went off with an alert that he had entered the the, the lower the metro area of Nashville at some point. I mean, this is I I want I want this guy to be in more high profile cases. We need him to be involved in something that's going to be a this Netflix dude, documentary just so we can watch him interviewed on yeah. camera about that case over and over again because he's that good. But I mean, he, think about how much thought he put oh, behind this. Oh, he had some notes, buddy. He came in with Cliff notes on let's let's. He googled football words before he did that he, press conference, and then he put all the phrases together. What this is, so uh, you have Breaking Bad, you have Better Call Saul, and then you'll have Matthew Merriman, Merriman, attorney at law or something. I'd watch it if this was a reality show, just him representing the public and coming up with dynamite lines like that. I'd watch every episode. Chad. Uh, Apparently, the Patriots are taking a quarterback at three. Are they? Are they not? There's reports that they or are. Or a veteran. Or, or they go with a veteran or both. Um, but they're moving on from, you know, the quarterbacks that, that they didn't really want, but they had. And didn't treat like they wanted in year two. Um, 
I, is it weird that I think, okay, quarterbacks go one, two, three. And if you're at the third pick, you just take the quarterback that's there. Yeah. You're going to get no, Drake I, May or Jaden Daniels or Caleb Williams. Yeah, but I don't – if, if you stay put. There's no way that you are cool with all three. There's, there's different styles and systems for those yeah, guys. I, you know I, what I mean? It feels like – now, look, I thought Mac Jones was the perfect Patriot quarterback also, and that has not worked and it out. it fell right to them at 15. Right. And when they drafted him, thinking, oh, here we go. This is Tom Brady yeah. part two. Has not been the case. Drake May feels like a Patriots quarterback. And Jane Daniels feels I, like I hope commanders. it works out better for Drake May than it did for Mac Jones with my feelings about them being really good Jane Patriots Daniels quarterbacks. Jane Daniels with Cliff Kingsbury makes sense, right? I think Jane Daniels makes sense for the Bears. If I was going one, two, three well, of my preference right now, it would be Jaden Daniels, Bears, Caleb Williams, Commanders, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Caleb Williams, Patriots. the player, I'm totally fine with. And reuniting with Cliff Kingsbury in Washington. Yes. But again, the report, they're taking a quarterback. I'm thinking, man, I just, what if you like J.J. McCarthy? I, got, I, I, I don't, but what if you did? It's another guy I feel like could be a... At three? The Michigan connection with Brady. Okay. Well. Not at three, but I, if you traded down and got him later, would, would make a lot more sense. I'm going to expand on this on Monday, um, depending on some of the, the topics that come from the weekend. But the combine is about to not be made for TV. Uh, the NFL tried to force it, and they did. I mean, it is, it's on at night. But by what it used to be was the, the players would do everything during the day. And then at night, you would make the rounds and meet with all the all the interviews took place at night. Yep. And now it's during the day because now you're working out at night. And we've had this for a while where the top players, the number one, number two, number three picks, whatever range you want to go, they don't do every drill, but they participate in something. And now it's really just go in there, get your height weight, go around and meet with the media and meet with the teams that you want to chat with every 18 minutes and get your medicals. Not everyone can be Caleb Williams. You can get your medicals now because you want to meet with all 32 teams if you can. Uh, you're not guaranteed a top two or three pick. Chad, I, 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 you've got Marvin Harrison Jr. who's not meeting with the media. We still don't know why based on uh, reports. It's just they were media was told he's not available, although he's here. Um, I just think the players are just going to continue to do less and less and less. The agents, too, know this. They're going to tell, they're going to recommend don't do this. And when they don't, what are you showing on TV? Guys that you don't know until their names are called in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. That's fine, but you can go to the Senior Bowl for that. Yeah. You know? And the coaches aren't even going now. The Tennessee Titans sent their head coach, their general manager, and their vice president back to Nashville yesterday for a groundbreaking on the stadium instead of talking to offensive linemen. And we know how bad the offensive line is for the team. They did that over Zoom. Every team could do that now. Sean McVay's drafting after the third round. He's drafting well, and he's not going to the combine. Their top guys aren't going and more and more guys won't. They'll be there, but they're only going for the things that are happening behind the scenes that are not made for TV. Yeah. Look, I think it's something we should definitely expound upon and talk more about next week. They're going to have to pay But off. But you're on to something. I, it's, not, it's not what it once was, like a lot of things. We could, we could have that description about a number of different things, but it's not getting any better anytime soon either. They're it's only going to get worse. They're going to pay guys to participate. Yeah. Much like the Pro Bowl. Chad, fun week. Fun, fun week. Big college basketball weekend. Huge. Setting up for the tournaments around the corner. March is here. Get ready for the madness. We are two weeks, so we're 16 days away from Selection Sunday. Yes. As the countdown begins. It's going to fly by. Yes, it will. We want our two teams to get screwed. It'll, be fly, it'll fly by like the career of 
Noted character actor Clifton Collins Jr. And un- all of his work has flown right by because all of it's so good. Yes. Uh, and Tyreek Hill, don't break any legs this weekend. Nope. No football drills. Don't hit any women. I know that's tough for Tyreek. Back at it on Monday, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here for Hot Mike with Honey Withrow across the Outkick Network, outkick.com slash watch.